Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me. As always, I appreciate your patronage and your attention. Pay attention to me. You know, the Rebel Media just called me uh, a leading thinker. They said a bunch of leading thinkers and Maxime Bernier spoke at this event called Capitalism and Morality. I was one of those leading thinkers. Maxime Bernier also spoke. Um, listen, today, <laughs> today we have a, a special guest. Uh, his name is Twos, as in 222. Uh, I'm going to get into that. I, I have no idea what uh, what's going on there. Um, but I wanted to talk to this guy. I, I appeared on uh, Sean Newman's live stream uh, talking about uh, covering election night, Daniel Smith and her big victory. And, um, you know, it went into the wee hours. And uh, I, I wanted to debrief with someone. I wanted to have someone to talk to about what this all means and uh, this guy was very entertaining. Uh, he's uh, part of the regular Sean Newman podcast. His name is Twos, I believe. Uh, yeah. Twos, is that right? Now, yeah. Twos, is, oh, is, yeah, is, is that your, uh, was that your name assigned at birth or is that just how you identify? I self-identify as that. And okay. I'm denying me that is bigotry. Yeah, of course. I know. Yes. And I want to respect your name. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, if I'm going to respect pronouns, I'm sure as hell going to respect it. A yeah, name, um, a noun. My whatever. pronouns are two, two, two. Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's just cancel culture is kind of a funny thing nowadays, and so you know, it's it's something if you've if you've already got some you know long and storied history as as the leader of a federal party, it makes sense to go with your name brand. But if you're just some lowly person who doesn't really feel like having some purple haired crazy person trying to stop you from earning a living. Um, having a set yeah. of numbers is a bit easier to go with. That's smart. Yeah. That's probably why I haven't got promoted at work because I'm still using my real name. Um, <laughs> uh, two, two, two minutes, right? Yeah. As a kind of a, I'm assuming a, an homage to this hour's 22 minutes or something like that, or not an homage. I was on Twitter just uh, under a now defunct regular account that I think might have even had my name on it, and. I followed them and I was like, oh, I used to watch the show as a kid and I thought it was great. And then everything I saw from them was just garbage. It was disappointing. Huh. And, you know, after a few tweets, of, I could literally just make up a better joke than this off the top of my head. I thought, why don't I just do that? And so I started this count and then I was just making just a few random tweets here and there, which I thought were better and probably were. And then a week later was when the liberal government got Twitter to shut down that Catherine McKenna parody account that everybody had thought was her because it was so vapid and crazy. Right. And so all of a sudden parody accounts were this crazy thing. And I happened to have one that that stood a decent chance of standing the test of time because it's not really tied to one specific person. And it's kind of become its own thing after that. I started a podcast about two and a half years ago and then Ended up right. going on Sean's podcast a few times and then thought, okay, well, what if we, and I'm not sure it was either him or one of his brothers said, you know, you and two should do a weekly show. And we started that and it's been the Tuesday mashup, right? The Tuesday mashup. So if you're a Sean Newman, uh, subscriber, you, you'll know about the Tuesday mashup. Um, do you, do you also have your own podcast? Yeah. Working for yeah. What, what's the name of that? Oh, it's called my 222 cents. You're, you're 222 cents. Of course, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I was, oh, go ahead. No, I was just trying to find, um, you know, I was going to, I was about to try to defend this hour's 22 minutes because I knew I made it as a politician to the degree I made it uh, mm -hmm. when they parodied me. And I thought they did a pretty good job of, of satirizing me. They came up because my, my, um, 
the the meme that caught the attention that caught and, and caught this hour's 22 minutes attention was I want gay married couples to pre- protect their marijuana plants with guns. And so they mm-hmm. came up with some memes of their own to parody me. And I think one was like a biracial transsexual Nova Scotian wrestler to to club baby seals that trespasses property while snorting coke off a, a hooker's back or something like that and i thought that actually is that sounds that sounds slogan. like milton friedman wrote it that does it sounds it's it almost sounds like i wrote it i, I yeah. mean I, I mean it doesn't sound like parody it it's, sounds like a serious campaign slogan right there but every once in a while they try to satirize people to the point where they just get it right um Parks and Rec, the uh, the libertarian dude with the mustache. Yeah, Ron Swanson. Uh, Ron Swanson. Yes, thank you. So the story behind him was that they were going around interviewing people who worked for the government, and they met exactly Ron Swanson, and they were interviewing him, and they thought it was so crazy that there's actually a person who believed these things, and they couldn't believe a guy like this actually existed, that they tried to model Ron Swanson exactly after that dude, and then he ended up carrying the show or even um yeah. baldwin before he got all pro second amendment um he had uh when he was on 30 rock and he played that executive jack donaghy mm. and was just you know y- you could tell that they were trying to make him as over the top ridiculous as possible but meanwhile you're like this guy's awesome yeah it, well i i I agree. I, I want to, now that I know that story though, I want to know who the real Ron Swanson is. I want to meet yeah. my doppelganger. Cause I kind of, I work for municipal government as well. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my employer, my uh, coworkers often look at me the same way, um, that, you know, Ron Swan, the real Ron Swanson's coworkers might look at him. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, you know, I'm kind of an endearing figure. Uh, they don't, uh, uh, I think I amuse a lot of them, but, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay, look, Daniel Smith won the election. Let's get down yeah. to business here. Too. All right. Um, you 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 tweeted out that uh, uh, you, you looked at the mountains three times and you had to pay out of pocket each time or something like that. Now, obviously, that's satirical. We we haven't reached a libertarian utopia yet, so that's not the case. Can we reach a libertarian utopia with Daniel Smith? No, not even close. <laughs> oh, okay. Shit. Like, this okay. is it, it. It's funny because you know, like everybody's thinking that she's going to be a savior, but she's still playing by the same set of rules as everybody else. And I, uh, you know, it. I'm just gonna be preaching to the choir here for you and all Preach, your brother. listeners. Hey, the choir needs to be preached at sometimes. You know what I'm saying? But there's there's been some notable Austrian econom economics, um, you know, which said that you can more accurately predict what a politician is going to do by looking at what's in their best interest rather than what's in the best interest of their constituents. And the first job is to get elected. The second job is to stay elected. And the third job is to get yourself as much power and control as possible. Right. And so, you know, fixing any of the intrinsic problems that are just hardwired into our provincial and federal politics is just going to be impossible. Like she's not going to touch healthcare. It's a third rail, right? Yeah. She could fix it. And then three and a half years from now, uh, you would have the NDP winning every seat in the province. If she had, excuse me, hadn't been kicked out of her party first and, and it would go back to normal. And they would talk about how, how crazy it was and how near it was that there was absolute disaster. Meanwhile, it probably would have cut costs by 90%. You know, I mean, there's 
The problem with having so much middle management in Alberta Health Services is that they're almost a special interest group, you know, like unto themselves. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, part of me is is kind of, uh, I don't know, explain this to me. Why is part of me relieved that Danielle Smith won and not Rachel Notley? Because we really want to believe in her. And right. anybody, I, I'm guessing that, you know, you're, you can probably still, it's not thinking too far back to remember when she was just that ray of hope with the wild rose party where you're like, okay, well, you know what? She's actually going to provide a counterpoint to the conservatives and there's going to be some real competition in politics and that's going to iron's going to sharpen iron and it's really going to turn things around. And now decade later, we're back to this same one party to rule them all. And And you're just looking down the barrel of 44 years, years of largesse. And um, yeah, well, and well have, I, I, yeah. I remember I was I was um, invited to go see Daniel Smith in Athabasca. I took the drive down from Fort McMurray mm-hmm. and I went down there with a skeptical eye. I'm like, uh, I'm a libertarian, you know, uh, I, no politician. I mean, what do these guys think they are? Like I, I had written an article about how voting is probably immoral and you know this whole political process is a sham it's basically like a suggestion box on a plantation or something like that we you know we we hand in our dignity and and stuff our suggestions in that ballot box Mm -hmm. hoping that we'll get 30 lashes instead of 40 lashes i'd rather just take the goddamn 40 lashes and 30 yeah but and so i kind of went down with that attitude and yet there there was daniel smith on the stage she was very sounded reasonable sounded like she cared about the things i cared about she uh, you know i kind of uh, identified with a lot of the things and you know my my heart softened it kind of warmed towards her i noticed this though about politicians they're they're charming people mm-hmm. you, you get around them and they're very kind of convincing i mean look i, I spoke at a convention with max bernier uh, a couple weekends ago and this is Ooh, a guy that, that you went back down that road well, I, it was it was a it was called capitalism and morality. I was one of the leading thinkers. He was Maxime Bernier. Uh, I, you know, there was a couple Austrian economists there. There was uh, Derek Bildebrandt from the Western Standard. There was a, you know a, few, a smattering of of folks in the freedom movement. And uh, Bernier was there, and and um, you know, again, a nice guy, very affable. I almost forgot that the guy uh, personally stabbed a knife in my back. And, uh, like, you know, I was, I was like, I almost forgot about that. That's how charming these guys mm-hmm. are. So, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember what my point was, but it's just essentially- about how Daniel Smith, you know, you went down to Athabasca yeah. to hear her speak. I guess my point is like, how do we get continually to get sucked into, um, into politics like this? It, and, and I think I answered it. It's like, these guys are charming. They, they know how to tug on the old heartstrings. You know, we, we were motivated not by uh, cold, hard, logical, r- rational intellect or something like that. We're kind of motivated by our heartstrings and politicians know how to tug at them or something. Well, I think there's, there's a bit of that. And then um, one of the other things is when you look at it, it's almost like you're looking down two roads. And one of them sucks. You know, you, you, your example about the 30 lashes versus the 40 lashes, right? Okay, well, this road's only 30 lashes. And this right. other road of actually going the right direction is a few million lashes and then no more lashes after that. 
Right, right, right. Right? And then some yeah. people are like, hey, a million lashes. lashes. That seems yeah, like a- yeah. 30 lashes. Yeah, I could I could probably live with 30 lashes. And the other guy's 40 lashes, so I'm gonna vote 30. Right. Right. And so I mean, but there's you know when you talk about how bad healthcare is, uh, one of the things I actually learned during this election run was that Alberta Health Services is the largest employer in Canada. Wow. Which I found to be absolutely like I, I would have never believed it had I not heard it from a politician whom you can absolutely trust on yeah, every yeah. level all the time. Right. right. Um, but even if it's the tiniest stretch, it's probably not a large one. And, you know, this is just one part of our system. You look at um, whenever you've got municipal workers fixing some water line or something like that. There's the guy who goes down into the hole. There's the guy who holds the ladder for him. The guy yeah. who has the bucket handing down tools, the supervisor, the inspector, the, you know, and just on and on and on. And you just think like, if you let the private market solve any of that, if you just got rid of the, the union protectionism, are we allowed to shit talk unions on your show? Yeah, yeah of course. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Just making sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, if you get rid of this union protectionism, all of a sudden our costs for everything drop down and, you know, this taxation such as it is might even get to a level that we could accept, right? Right. But it's it's never going to get anywhere near that until, you know, um, the, the conservatives, when they passed Bill um, 525 and 317, I think they were, the... Uh, you know, in 2014, 2015, when Harper passed that that bill that unions had to disclose where their funding went and how it was spent. And mm-hmm. then the other one was how they um, they had to be determined by secret ballot, secret ballot of all things like this. This is the kind of legislation that should have been right. passed a century ago. Uh, you know, and one of the first things the liberals did was strike it down because they had to take care of the people that bread their or that butter their bread. Right. But, um, you know, you just on the one hand, you want to see it all collapse. On the other hand, it would be great if someone just knocked a few um, rocks out of that wall here and there. But they're just such big hot button issues that would be political suicide for anybody who ever did that. It's safe to say nothing's really ever going to change. Like, what do you think's what do you think's gonna be um unveiled now that Danielle Smith has four years to run uncontested, no matter how good of a, or bad of a job she does? Well, huh, that's a good question. I, I I mean, I don't think there's gonna be any huge announcements. I don't think Daniel I mean, look, Daniel Smith uh, uh tweeted out today her support for pride and and uh you know the LGBTQ plus whatever agenda. Say the lines, wear the uh, ribbon. Right, right. And, you know, we, we, we support you and stuff, you know, virtue signaling. Now, mm-hmm. look, she's she's trying to um, maintain some popularity, uh, not take too much criticism. I mean, this explains her her election run as well. She backed off on a lot of stuff that initially got us excited. You know, she's talked about how the unvaxxed were the most discriminated uh, group mm-hmm. in her lifetime. And then she backed off on that. She you know, was looking into um, ways of, of exonerating people that had been, um, you know, unjustly uh, oppressed by the, the COVID regime. Um, all good kind things. Of backed off. Yeah, all those things are good. But she she made a political calculation to back off on those. It was probably the right calculation to make uh, to win some seats. 
to win seats, but yeah. not to be a great representative of the right. people. I mean, I mean, she she might she like if she stuck to her guns, um, we might be seeing an NDP majority rather than a UCP majority, right? And so, you know, the 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 pragmatists will say, well, she she did what needed to be done pragmatically to to get in there. But but I mean that this is the this is why conservatism always fails in my mind because they're always acting pragmatically to get the left out. We just need this is the most important election in our lifetime, guys. We just need. Isn't to, it weird that we're on like our twenty fifth <laughs> most important election ever in a yeah, row? I, I, absolutely, absolutely. We can't, we can't, you know, can't let the left win this one. So mm -hmm. you know, we're going to have to adopt a, a leftist conservative government if we want to win this thing just this we, time and then we'll turn it around that'll buy us some time to turn it around yeah we've got to have a climate action plan this election yeah so basically we're just we're we're the liberal campaign without hair but we're not justin trudeau which is why you should totally vote for us right even though that exact same argument holds true for 37 million other people in this country yeah 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 i mean i was having this uh i had a, guy, a fellow on who's uh who's an anarchist like me and he was he's a big huge bernier supporter just uh mm -hmm. rides that knob and uh you know <laughs> I, I had him on to like try try to understand his his rationale here and a after we stopped recording i was talking with him and and he's like well isn't like what do you think about polyver and i'm like well look he's I, I think at the core him and max would essentially prefer the same suite of policies um you know, I think that they generally have pretty close to the same beliefs. Uh, they're, they're probably what you would say are "quote unquote" true conservatives. Now, Bernier is is choosing one one strategy, which is stick to his guns and go the true conservative route. Polyver is actually trying to get elected, and so he's hiding his true conservatives. But it's it ekes out every now and then. That's why maybe his he's not doing as well as um, as uh, his supporters would hope he would do but you know he i mean this guy was just kind of flabbergasted that how can you think that i mean he's part of the wef and the this and the that and i'm like well i mean bernie was part of that when he was in the establishment too you, you kind of have to be part of these things if you want to get elected you can't you know you, you don't uh, i'm sure paulie Vare isn't a big cheerleader for it isn't like how can we help you ad advance your agenda mm -hmm. it's probably like not super enthusiastic but he's kind of just uh, you know, doing the things he needs to do to, to like making this, the sacrificing the principles he needs to sacrifice unenthusiastically to, to win this, the vote. That's kind of how I, I interpret what's going mm -hmm. on. What, what about you? Is that, am I, well, off I think, I, I think you're absolutely right. And you know, the PPC people, like I'm going to defend them very, very lightly here. If I may. Like I, I get why they're disenfranchised and you sure. see a lot of the, you see a lot of conservatives saying, Oh, they're stealing the vote and they're not. These people wouldn't be voting conservative if the PPC didn't exist. Like they, they were politically homeless. They might vote for the random independent or some, you know, maybe Christian heritage rhinoceros party. And I mean, honestly, at this point, I think the rhinoceros would be better than what we have now. Yeah. Right. But, but these people aren't represented by the conservative party. And so they say, okay, well, you know what? We don't have, we don't share any of the values you have. You look at all of the red tape they wanted to institute in the last election. Like O'Toole ran on something that the liberals five years ago 
would have said was a little bit too far left for them, probably. Right. Mm. That was his election yeah. campaign. And so you look at it and you're like, OK, well, there's people who don't want to vote for that. No shit. Like, I don't blame them one bit. Uh, and then for for the conservatives to say, well, you know, you you should be voting for us because right. we're the answer. Well, you're not the answer for those people. Right. And then, um, you know, on the other hand, they're they're a little bit fervent, like, you know, they're very worried about the WEF and globalism and everything like that. And that's fine. And that's good. But the thing about it is, is when you talk about globalism, you got three groups. You've got the people who understand what you're saying and support you. The people who probably aren't ready to hear about it yet. And the people who are going to hear that and use it to try and paint you as a crazy person. And I don't know why they don't just try and say, well, you know what? If you don't live here, you shouldn't have a say in what we do. Right, right. Which is yeah. a very pragmatic approach yeah. and says the exact same thing without even running the risk of having somebody turn it around and try and paint you in a tinfoil hatter, right? Yeah. And yeah. and then Bernier. And know, the I mean, even bigger problem of, yeah. of that term globalist is that the majority of people don't even know what the hell it means and what you're talking about when you talk about the globalists. Well, and, and globalism in business is definitely different than globalism in politics, right? right. There's there's some ambiguity in the application of the word, right? But sure. um you know, I, I know you've you've had some issues with Bernier and like personally, I've, I've never met the guy, but it seems to me that he's a little bit. You know, we talked about this a tiny bit um, during the live stream, how there's some politicians out there who it's more about them than it is about the message or the purpose or the movement. Right. Um, right. You know, I mentioned Chris Guy and there's mm. there's a few other ones, but every once in a while. it Well, because we were talking about Arter Pulowski. Right. But right. but with Maxime Bernier it seems to be a lot less about what they're trying to accomplish and what they believe in and more about Maxime Bernier incorporated. Mm, yeah. That's, 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 that's just my take, right? I've, I've never, but I mean, I get, so it, it's funny. I, I imagine anybody who's conservative that listens to this is going to think I'm a dick. And anybody that's PPC who listens is also going to think I'm a dick. <laughs> and you know what, yeah. Tim, they're both right. And I'm waiting to decide whether you're a dick or not. I'm on the libertarian side. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, but the, the interesting thing to me is, okay. And, and you're right. Like uh, I know a lot of PPC supporters and people, they're great people. And um, you know, there's, there's a lot of libertarians that for whatever reason join up with the, the PPC. And, you know, as a, the, when I was the leader of the libertarian party, it, it kind of hurt my feelings that they were like, what's wrong. You know, it kind of feels like rejection. It's like, guys, I fucking gave up my, my pension to do this. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, you know, th this is a principled message we're we're hawking. I invited Bernie actually to lead the party. I was going to step yep. down, yep. and um, and now you're just going to go with this guy who is like half. He won't even embrace the term. He's talking about you know drug regulation and <laughs> using the state to advance to to make sure uh, true conservative conservatism is preserved or whatever that mm -hmm. means. Um, so, but at the same time, I, I totally understand it. I mean, I was, I was on the fence about joining the PPC as well. When I saw, you know, that momentum shift, there was some excitement behind it. The thing that's encouraging to me though, is that more and more people are looking at the establishment and going, well, I can't win. If I vote for Polyver, I lose. Uh, and, and if I vote for Bernier, I lose. So I might as well vote for Bernier because at least that's closer to my principles and, and I won't feel as dirty doing it or something like that. Or maybe it'll, it, it's, I don't know, maybe some of them are delusional enough to think Bernier will, you know, win or something. But I, I want to believe most of them are just like, 
And actually, when I heard Bernier talk at, at this uh, uh, conference, I was actually um, kind of encouraged because mm -hmm. it, it sounded like a speech I would have given when I was that I did give actually almost like he was copying <laughs> something. Wait a sec. Uh, <laughs> that's that's pretty socialist of him. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, listen, I, I don't uh, I don't mind if people copy. I'm not a, not in favor of yeah. IP, but um, no, look, he, he, he was talking about um, look, his, his goal. He's like, I don't care if I win uh, the election. If I if the other party, the mainstream parties have to adopt my policy because of the pressure we put on them, that's a win. And that's what I always used to say, mm -hmm. you know, and, and gr great. So so we have these two strategies going on. We have people on the fringes um, kind of putting pressure on, advancing, a, 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 you know, a principle or, or a message. And, mm -hmm. and then we have the people, you know, the closet libertarians and the closet true conservatives in the mainstream parties, um, kind of like hiding their light under a bush so as not to be found out and, and yeah. not in, at least not enthusiastically um, growing the state, maybe you know, rather conservatively growing the state, let's say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So just, so just gradual encroachment, which is right. totally better because it's gradual. Well, yeah. And, but, but populists are kind of waking up to this or, or a lot of people are waking up to this and saying, Hey, look, nothing, nothing's changing. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. whether it's a right or a lefty in there. Things are growing and things are getting out of hand and, and society's going to hell in a handbasket. So we need a change. Right. And so, Bernier represents change. Um, so, what what do you think? How, how do we how do we take that um, that kind of uh, spirit of populism of people throwing their hands up at the the establishment, and saying we don't believe in you anymore, and direct them towards a a, a direction that doesn't lead to a, a right wing authoritarian father figure in charge of the whole works or something? I mean. To be fair, given what we have right now, a right-wing authoritarian father figure, yeah, even right. if you and I were the first up against the wall, probably still an improvement. Yeah, my kids would probably be better off. Yeah. Uh, yeah I'll take that bullet. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, as far as... It's change management, man. Um, yeah. Do you know what ADCAR is? Uh, it rings a bell, but... I... Okay, so it's it's there's there's a few kind of models for change management, which is just if you're trying to make something suck less at a company... It can be really hard to do. And so some people have had success. They try and they, they've learned different approaches. And so ADCAR is awareness, desire, knowledge, application, and repetition, if I recall correctly. Hmm. Right. And so, so if you want to change something, you need to make people aware of the deficiency and how it brings, how it affects them or the company or the culture or whatever else, but awareness and then desire, you need to get them to want the change. And then knowledge, you need to let them know how they can institute the change. Application is rolling it out and repetition is Repeating that. doing it again, right? Until until you get it, right? And then and then eventually you can step away and go do the same thing somewhere else and it'll run on its own. And right. so I think you know, when it comes to this, like step one is awareness. Right. And um, you know, I I voted Maverick in the last federal federal election and it's one thing that I thought was really lacking in their in their platform. Well, not necessarily in their platform, but in their delivery of their platform was, okay, well, you guys want to do this and you want to represent local interests. 
Why? Why is that important? Hmm. And then you can talk about how Blake Richards is the party whip and he his job, amongst others, was to make sure that every single member of parliament or candidate running for member of parliament in Western Canada, in the whole country, was on board with a carbon tax, regardless hmm. of how their local people felt about it. Well, right. I, if somebody works in oil and gas or something like that, trucking, well, you know what? A carbon tax is probably kind of a bad thing for me, and I'd prefer it if my member of parliament didn't advocate for something like that, despite the fact that some guy in Ottawa says he has to, right? Right. You know, he doesn't work for the guy in Ottawa. He's supposed to work for us. He works for the guy in Ottawa because the system's broken, but he should be working for us. And maybe yeah. we should find somebody who does work for us. Right. So, so, so that's the awareness part. Uh, what was the yeah. next part after awareness? Uh, what was desire? Desire. Okay. I so you got to make people want to institute the change. Right. And, and then, then what you, was the thing after that? Knowledge. You make them aware of how to do it. Ah, okay. And then that's, application. That's, and I'm stuck at the K, I think. Right. And so I, I think everybody, I think everybody in the, you know, it's, it's crazy. We're labeled as fringe people, but I'd say we're the most politically centrist. You know, right. we're, we're, well, cause I mean, when you talk about extremism, like, well, how should we fix this? We probably shouldn't try. Yeah. We should probably just sit this one out. We should sit this one out is the most centrist neutral position you could take. Yeah. Right? Don't just do something. Stand there. Yes. Which yeah. is, I couldn't ask for anything better in a politician, but we never get it. It's, yeah. do you want to go over onto this extreme and support corporate bailouts? Or do you want to go over on this extreme and support safe injection sites and the continued degradation of the lower class, right? It, or do you want to go over here and support um, small businesses? Or do you want to go over here and support unions, right? Right. Well, what if I don't think we should support any of them in any direction, right? It's, yeah. you know, it's it's not a case of left, right. right, right. Um, it's it's just and, and then the, how the, far the, out of the circle do you want to go? And I, right, I don't right. want to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the only thing worse than a leftist or a rightist is almost a centrist. Like the the they they pick and choose. They they try to pre present this kind of nuanced argument of, uh, well, I pick some from the right and some from the left. Uh, at the end of the day, it's all authoritarianism. It's all like the, the thing that they're extreme in is this idea that that we need violence and, and institutionalized violence to solve all these problems and to fix the world. Um, but I get your point. Like we, we are, we're the least extreme uh, in that sense in that we yeah. we're like, listen, we don't need government to let, let's take a, you know, a, a break on government here for a second. Let's just pause it. Can we pause it and just see what happens? Like, let's see people fix it without uh, pulling out guns and, and forcing people to do shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so in that sense, um, yeah, we're, we're the moderates here at, at least in that yeah. we're, we're not advocating for extreme shit. Like, I want you to point a gun at someone to fund a safe injection site, or I want you to point a gun at someone to fund a union or a small business or a green enterprise or a, you know, whatever uh, the government is wanting you to fund. What if I think the economics of affordable housing don't really add up and that it's a net loss to the community as a whole? Well, then you go to jail. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we're, maybe we should just take things back a little bit and that's the extremist take. Right. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so we, but the reality is we have Daniel Smith. So what what can mm -hmm. we, you know, 
predict is going to happen over the next four years or what, uh, what, what's the case for optimism, I guess. Optimism. I hope she believes everything she was backing off from during the election. Uh, right. Cause she's got the four year blank slate. As long as she can not hit the bank too hard, she's got four years to figure this out. So I'm guessing the things that are going to take long-term uh, or that are going to need a longer time horizon to bear fruit are things that she's going to jump out with right out of the gun, which is interesting because you're going to have the, the NDP saying, well, we told you she was going to do this. Right. And you'd be like, well, yeah, because she said she was going to do it. You freaking geniuses. But also it's got her the longest chance to have a smooth rollout for it. And also the longest chance for people to feel less disenfranchised about the fact that maybe it wasn't specifically mentioned during the campaign. So I would, if she really believes that they'll work out better for everybody, which I think is probably fair to say, um, she's probably going to start making some moves towards doing studies about the Alberta pension plan. And she's probably going to want to make sure that she can put some really clear numbers in front of everybody so that everybody really understands how bad it is um, to send the money to Ottawa. And then it'll be great for her because she'll be like, hey, this is only 30 lashes. Um, right. And then um, the other one probably I hope is... she uses that term. But... <laughs> yeah, if she's listening, it's uh, it's copyright. And... Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, but and then the other thing, probably the... Um, police forces the alberta police force uh, right. getting rid of the rcmp and you'll you'll know if that's coming if she starts talking about uh the the shooting in nova scotia i don't know if you did you read that report or any of that report uh Even the synopsis was a couple uh, hundred pages no no I, I i mean i heard i think i i saw the the <laughs> the press release of the synopsis but uh Tim, man, it was uh, honestly, uh, I can't think of an easier way to sell people on the fact that the RCMP has absolutely just flown the coop. You literally had um, civilians going up to police officers um, in and around the community at crime scenes and whatever else and just being like, what is going on? Why aren't you guys telling us anything? can you please just tell us what's happening so that we can figure out how we can be safe and cops literally pulling out guns and being like, I said to get the hell out of here. Right. And then, um, you know, people who got killed um, when their effects finally got sent back to the family, they hadn't even wiped the, uh, I think the word was organic matter off of them. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. And, and then, you know, they I shot mean, up that fire station. I remember the, that. Yeah, so that that was exactly what I was going to say next was, and you've probably heard about this, but uh, the cops were shooting at each other, right, with a fire station in the background, and and the list goes on and on, and you know, there's how many people needlessly died. One of their own died, right. and and then they just tried to obfuscate the whole thing and then to turn it around and turn it into a political win for the liberals. And just every step along the way is just the most damning thing you could possibly imagine. And yeah, if Danielle wants to roll that out, all she's got to do is just say, look guys, it's all right here. You can read it. And if you think this is the kind of thing you support, then by all means, we can look into it. But unless you give me a compelling reason, these guys need to get the fuck out of here. Right. Well, what about um, the the 
argument that it's going to cost more. Um, and you know, look, I have RCP in my community. It seems to be doing all right. Uh, what if someone says that? Well, it's probably going to cost more, but less than you think. I'm guessing, I'm guessing. Cause here's the thing is the RCMP are going to be laying off a whole bunch of people that their work is no longer required. And so they're going to be hiring back, presumably the exact same people and just putting them in different uniforms. It's going to be like the end of super cops or super troopers. Right. 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 And then um, you're going to have, so you're going to have the same number of cops more or less. I mean, they, they said they were going to hire a hundred more in Calgary. Right. But just roughly the same amount of existing costs at the front level, you're probably going to take over some of the same facilities although maybe the RCMP is going to be really spiteful about it, but I imagine that they're probably going to say, you know, we've got a building in the middle of nowhere. That's very purpose built. The best we can do is to try and sell it. Right. So you're going to have the same cops going to the same building, doing the same job with the same people behind the desk. You're going to have some more upper management. Right. And then what, explain payroll, to right? me what the, what the political motivation is to, to change the police. Like, why is that so high up on the priority list? Well, I can't speak for Danielle Smith. I think it probably harkens to things like how you've got the look what happened at the Ottawa uh, Freedom Rally, right? Where mm. you're calling in cops from Calgary to go take part in this thing. And you've got horses trampling old ladies and walkers and it being downplayed. And, you know, just just that absolute that that bureaucratic culture. You've got Brenda Lucky, who resigned pretty much in disgrace i would say after one debacle after another who was just a political appointment because she's a woman right which i mean doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the right person for the job and and so you've got this this institution that seems to be towing the line of federal politics and as much as one is a slightly less version less worse version of the other if you're if your police force is beholden to the worst one, hey, maybe you get in a slightly less bad one. But the nice thing is, it is one more thing that you would check off the list moving gradually towards Alberta separation, right? Right, right. So that's that's where it works for me. Okay, I mean, so- yeah, definitely. I, I think they're a bunch of incompetent fools at the top and that they just wrecked a formerly great institution. But, but also... It's the next step. So pensions and police, you think are going to be priorities? Anything else? Well, if she if she thinks they're going to work, right? Because right. if, okay. if they're so going to work, she's, she's going to want to get as yeah. much of a head start on them as possible, right? Yeah. Um, and so pensions would probably be a slightly longer one because you're going to need the numbers and you need to make people aware of why you're doing it. And you're not just, yeah. you know, when Notley says, oh, they're going to come after your pensions and gamble it all on oil and gas you can actually accurately speak to why that's not the case. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause then, the, the, the objections yeah. I'm hearing right now, and again, I'm in a union environment, so maybe I get more of this mm-hmm. um, is that uh, it's going to underperform the CPP or we're not going to get our contributions or something like that out of the CPP or the, in, the interest that's accrued. So mm-hmm. it's going to set us back and um, it's going to a crony, corporation that uh has lost money um with its funds before or something like that yeah i i just love that whole argument of 
you can't let these greasy politicians decide where your pension money goes. Yeah. We need to let those <laughs> greasy politicians right, right. decide where your money goes. Yeah, which yeah. is just just the best argument. It's just classic NDP, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, the big thing I think would be rolling out here in the next little bit, and it's a shame it didn't get more coverage, especially, well, if you're a big UCP fan, it's an absolute shame it didn't get more coverage, is the Memorandum of, of Understanding that they signed with Saskatchewan and Alberta about the pipeline right of ways, the, the energy corridor mm -hmm. going up to Churchill. Right. Which, I mean... That's where Quebec has had their their boots on our throats for a long time, and the same yeah. with BC. And the the federal government has been as facilitatory towards that as possible. And now Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba are just saying, you know what? It's our land. We can figure it out on our own. Get back. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. And so, yeah, I think that's that's going to be a big thing. And I know that they're working towards one that goes up towards Alaska as well, because I mean, it's interesting when you look at. The actual distances on a globe, you think of Europe as being really far away because you got to go all the way across. But if you just kind of go up and over, it's pretty short. So Anchorage is is a large international hub for you know places like FedEx and UPS and things like that. And so there, um, the the UCP has been pushing a lot towards getting an energy corridor going up there as well with rails and and the whole nine yards. And so um, that I think would be incredible because I mean, the less you need anybody else, especially when they're as far away as Ottawa, the better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the three P's pensions, police pipelines. Mm -hmm. um, uh, do, do you think, do you see anything coming in terms of health reforms? And, and I ask you this because, you know, I, I, I am not immersed in politics that much anymore. I don't really pay attention to these things. Um, I feel like you would have a better idea of what she might be planning in the realm of healthcare than I would. I mean, the NDP is promising me that she's going to privatize. Is, oh, is that, that going to happen? I, you know what? If I actually thought she would follow through on that, I would be all for it, right? Right. I mean, the, the rhetoric I, I've time. heard is that your public health care is secure and we're increasing funding and blah, blah, blah. We're hiring more people. And um, so... I feel like they're going to throw more money at it to say they're throwing more money at it. Right. While at the same time they did a little bit, and I think it was you that was talking about it. I'm sorry. That whole night was just a blur. We talked for like five hours. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but about uh, the reduction in the ambulance wait times. Yeah. And, uh, and so I would expect that she's probably going to do a couple things like that in the next little bit. where just easy, small wins where she can get some ideas from ground level that man, middle management never listens to anyway and say, okay, well, this is, this is obviously simple. Like the, um, the ambulatory support vehicles at a third of the cost of a full blown ambulance, you know, things like that, where um, Alberta health services isn't interested in innovation. Yeah. And hey, we can just hire Tim Zuber ambulance, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, being able to just make some tiny change that's going to save an hour or two wait time here or a few hundred thousand dollars there per community or whatever else, where it's just, it's, it's the tiny incremental bits that she can just, she's, she, she'll know that it's an absolute slam dunk. And so she's going to do those and then 
probably take stock afterwards and see how well they've been received before she decides anything long term. Although I don't know. I'm not I'm not premier. Right. I've never ran for political office. But if yeah. I was her, that's probably what I would want to do. And that's how I would want to execute, because if she got a lot of political goodwill from some small wins, then she could try something maybe a little bit more common sense, like privatizing everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can hope. Um, I, I did hear r- rumblings and kind of rumors in mm-hmm. the back corridors of, of, you know, my workplace of mm-hmm. uh, stories of Danielle Smith approaching um, mayor of Calgary, for example, and, and testing the waters to see if there would be any any desire to take back ambulance services at the municipal level, which tells me that her uh, in, her her kind of uh, instincts are are in the right place, right? And decentralize, mm-hmm. get things back to to the local level as much as possible. I actually ran for uh, union vice president of my local, <laughs> uh, <laughs> believe it or not. Um, I, and, and I almost won. I lost by like two votes. It's not good at politics. Um, but <laughs> I disagree. But my, my, my plan was, look, we, we have, and this was about a year ago, I'd say maybe a little bit more, about a year and a half. I said, look, right now we're primed. We're going, we're, we're gearing up for an election. We have, uh, a UCP leader in Daniel Smith, who I believe wants to decentralize, who would be favorable to what we want, which is control over our service back. And what we're missing is the the political marketplace for her to make that happen. She's not going to lead the charge on this. She's not going to put her head like take take all sorts of risks by by you know promoting and marketing this idea. So other people have to do this. That's where I'm uniquely positioned, right? So mm-hmm. I laid out this plan. We're going to create a movement similar to what I did with the the uh, unvaxxed colleagues. I did. We created a movement, raised all this money, created all this. Uh, this political pressure in a marketplace in a, a particular direction had action plans in place had had campaigns in place of what people should do to to put pressure on politicians and we got what we wanted and be, and I knew that the politicians generally probably wanted to do what we wanted them to do but they mm-hmm. just needed that that uh, signal from from the political marketplace that this was going to be supported and yep. popular and they weren't going to get it you know they were going to be get get some popularity out of doing this. Same thing with with this thing. So I, I thought you know what we really need is a movement of firefighters and unions are uniquely positioned to do this uh, and for once be on the right side of an issue and and you know push for decentralization. Get together the fire chiefs. I know would be on board with it. The municipalities might waffle a bit on it because a lot of municipalities are like well this is one headache we don't have to worry about or fund anymore but ultimately uh i think they could be swayed pretty easily when they recognize how popular an idea would be anyways i had this big idea but but it it seems to me that um we need these kind of grassroots movement to to pave Mm -hmm. the way on a lot of these issues uh to, to actually get some of these things done but you fell into the classic pitfall tim What's he that? did. You did what was right and forward right. thinking, yeah. as opposed to what would have gotten you elected. You should have just said free skateboard parks for everybody. Yeah, I guess so. Well, and the fact that uh, you know, as a, I was a public figure, libertarian uh, didn't didn't help me either because there was a lot of, wow, how could we have a libertarian in you know in the yeah. union? They they hate unions, like, and it's like I can't really necessarily argue with that. I mean, I tried to. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't hate unions. I just hate the legislation that supports them. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. yeah, so so it was kind of a hard uh, 
negative campaign to overcome. Um, but they painted you as an extremist, like <laughs> like a militant libertarian, where I you're going to let people do whatever they want right, right. at the end of a gun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, the funny thing is, it's a weird culture, right? Because we we pride ourselves on being these kind of guys that put it on the line and and take all these risks for the public and mm -hmm. you know, would never leave a brother behind. But when the, these the COVID regime came in, we saw how <laughs> you left uh, all of them behind. mythological that that uh, I idea we had of ourselves was, and, um, you know, it, it was pretty, it was kind of disappointing to see, um, some of my brothers get left behind and, you know, not only that, but when you stand up for them, you kind of get made out to be a shit disturber, a pariah, someone that's maybe not, uh, I got a little bit of that, not a lot of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, a bit of credit where it's due. I think the firefighters and not all of them granted, but the only, public servants I saw standing up in any decent numbers at all against the, the forced vaccinations and the lockdowns and everything associated with that just blunderous time in, in over governance history. Uh, they were the firefighters. Yeah, that's a good point. You know what we got? We are goddamn heroes. Yeah, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> you restored my faith in my profession. Um, well, that was pretty easy. Yeah, it was. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, easily yeah. convinced of things um okay what 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 what's next like uh we so you know we kind of talked about danny's gonna test these things form some committees mm -hmm. the three p's uh i'm you know, guessing like this is just yeah i know but right i mean that's what we do we baby we yep. speculate and yeah just we, we make wild ones speaking of wild speculation you you had a an interesting speculation on on rachel notley's uh um direction what what do you think is going to happen with her the ndp picked up seats this election is yep. that going to be enough for her to hold on to her spot as leadership or what do you think this was their avengers endgame man like it's it's all downhill from here this was the mm. best they could ever hope to do right. they ran against somebody that they had nothing they they had so much material to try and uh, you know, Danielle Smith spent how many years in talk radio and the best they could come up with out of all that years of 40 hours week worth of radio broadcasts and all the podcast appearances and the interviews was a few random clips taken out of context. They had so much money thrown at this and they're not going to get as much next time because, you know, like anybody else, unions are going to expect a return on their investment. Right. And and they threw the absolute war chest at this. There was a king's ransom spent on funding Rachel Notley, and she couldn't win it for them. So they're not going to have as much money next time. They're going to try and be relevant, but um, this this was her win or die moment. Hmm. You know, this is two elections in a row that she lost, and I think anybody who's going to look back fairly will realize that 2015 was an absolute flash in the pan and just the perfect perfect storm of everything happening at the at the right time so you know she's not the person who's going to even though they came out further ahead i don't think she's the person who's going to bring them over the finish line a second time and so she's going to be relegated back to um you know whatever she decides to do next which um you know jagmeet singh is currently polling as a head in his riding, but that's a recent development. Mm -hmm. He was actually polling in second or possibly even third place. Don't quote me on that, but it was definitely second place. Sean and I talked about it in a mashup a couple months back. 
And right. so, you know, he's he's right on the line of not even winning his own riding, let alone being relevant on the federal stage. And he says a lot of stupid things and doesn't yeah. really represent the common man that, that the NDP likes to say that they they represent. So I could see Rachel making a bid for that. And I think that everything Thomas Lukasik did during this election was him looking at the writing on the wall, seeing that she isn't going to win and trying to set himself up as the new leader. And I think that Nenshi's probably going to do the same thing. I mean, why not see if you can get three? Well, actually, no. Um, provincial MLAs don't get pensions, do they? In Alberta. Okay, well, still, he's got know. two pensions. No, they don't. They don't. So anyway, but, you know, um, be, you know, King shit on Turd Island of of three different, uh, you know, public service roles. Um, so, yeah, I think Nenshi, you're going to see Nenshi, Lukasik, Todd Hirsch, and then somebody like Shannon Phillips and maybe Sarah Hoffman um, running for leadership probably in the next year. Right, right. Well, I, I suspect Nenshi would win that. Um, I, it'd be interesting to see what Notley would do as federal leader. I mean, I think, uh, I, I think she could muster more support than Jagmeet Singh. That's just my gut. I mean, certainly when I look at Notley, um, I have a much more favorable opinion of her than I do of Jagmeet. Like, you know, I, in a lot of ways, I kind of doesn't respect take Notley. much. No, it does. It doesn't, I guess it doesn't. And you know, uh, she's, she's a, a nepotism. Um, you know, she, she got in on her dad's name and you yes. know, granted what happened to, to grant was an absolute shame. Um, but you're not going to see Jim Prentice's kids doing yeah. the same thing a generation from now. Right. But you right. know, she, but you um, know what, even, even Jordan Peterson, the way he talks about the Notley family, you know, in kind of, you know, Notley's mom, for example, giving him a copy of Atlas shrug to read, even though she was a social. Oh, really? Yeah. I, he, I, I miss he's, that. He's talked about this before. Like, yeah, I was, I like Peterson was, uh, our, NDP activist in his late yeah, teens, right? Yeah, I, I knew and that. And so he was well connected with the Notley family and, and was over there often and would get like, uh, you know, a smattering of books from from Rachel's mom. And one of them was Atlas Shrugged because, you know, for the same reason, you know, I, I went to a conservative institute for some leadership training and got a copy of Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. It's like, you know, kind of important to know what the other side is thinking and how they operate. Uh, that was kind of the so that that uh, to me actually kind of raised the esteem of Rachel Notley in kind of a See, tangential and way, and that's good because you know what even like awesome you know anytime Ayn Rand's getting thrown in yeah you know, thumbs up but also at the same time like I've got two sisters that are pretty far on the left right. you know wonderful people but completely different ideologies right and then um, my one sister was over one time and she was looking at uh, I had this one book out. And it's, it's called, I, I think it's called the case for the CBC or the argument for the CBC or something mm -hmm. like that. And she's like, why are you reading this? You think they're garbage? <laughs> I'm like, well, they are garbage. And so I'm reading this book and I'm reading this book. And the other one was that CBC exposed by Brian Lilly. Mm. And then she's like, so you're reading two completely opposite <laughs> books. Crazy idea, right? And I'm like, what? why are we talking about this as though it's strange? Right. 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 And, um, uh, but it, it's a completely different school of thinking in, in some circles where, you know, the, the thought of understanding where your opponent's coming from and, and the perspective that they're looking through things. Um, you know, 
even opponents a strong word sometimes, but sometimes in this, it's not even strong enough. Right. But, but the point is, is that somebody on the other side of the issue from you um, to, to look at them and, and say, okay, well, what, where does this argument make sense from? And, you know, how do I understand it and everything like that? Um, it, it seems like something that there's some people that never even registers for them, that that would be a consideration. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it leaves the impression that, you know, Notley was raised in a household where, um, you know, they kind of argued or debated and like intellectual rigor was kind of important and understanding both sides. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. 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 So I, I think she would, she might do well on the, uh, on the federal stage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's new blood and she's, you know, got some clout behind her. Uh, um, I mean, what, but then what happens to Jag meat? Where does he go? He goes back to being a lawyer. I mean, what? Yeah. Oh no, he has a couple tough months, and he's got to sell one of his Rolexes. Come right, on, right, right. Yeah, and, and his. Uh, <laughs> well, and I, I've always said this. Like you know, some folks, I, I've toyed with the idea of just running as a, as a like for a mainstream party like the UCP or or something like that, mm-hmm. just to get in there and you know see what I could do. Uh-huh. But but then I'm reminded that look, I'm I'm a blue collar guy. I'm a firefighter. I put wet stuff on red stuff. Yeah, you know when I lose after, uh, you know one term. If I'm lucky, I last a term. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like my my stock goes up as a firefighter. Now I'm like four years older and not as physically capable, and yeah, it's going to hire me at my age. And you know, but if I was a lawyer, on the other hand, you know my value mm-hmm. goes up considerably. So mm-hmm. it it, it kind of keeps um, regular Joes um, out of politics a little. Yes and no. One thing I I will say about the UCP uh, is that they do have quite a few regular Joes. Um, not not necessarily at just you know the Yumi, you know, working schlub. No offense, I'm I'm putting myself in the category too, right? Yeah. But but you know, there's there's a lot of guys who are just small business owners, and um, you know, you got Shane Getson who's just worked with pipeline projects his whole career, and um, you know, there's. Uh, there's just a lot of just regular dudes, even, um, that guy who ran in Grand Prairie Wapiti, uh, Travis Taze, um, he didn't run for re-election this time, but you know, he was an accountant slash rancher. There's Mm. probably about eight people in that party who are a rancher or something slash rancher. Right. So self-employed someone. Yeah. I mean, so I like the fact that you've actually got a few people in parliament for the first time and a hundred years who might actually track some shit into the carpets on their boots. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I guess I could wear a hazmat suit in there just to protect myself. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh... I, but I mean, that's again, this is a, a gentle acknowledgement of something that's a little bit better than what we would expect as opposed to something we would hope for. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So you're, you, you've got a, you kind of outlined a, uh, what you think Daniel's, playbook might be and what kinds of things we might see i mean well, generally they're, they're going to do the most politically unpopular things at the start of their term mm-hmm. so that people forget them by the end so um, especially if they think it'll take longer to win right. i don't know what you haven't pushed back on any of this how crazy do you think i am uh, yeah i i don't think you're crazy i i i mean i think that uh i i don't know i i have a feeling that uh that we're not going to get a lot of movement out of Daniel. I don't think we're going to get pensions. I don't think we're going to get police. 
We might get some movement on pipelines. I think the biggest thing Daniel Smith is going to do is is do a lot of signaling, ra- saber rattling against Ottawa, which mm-hmm. isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. Yep. Um, whether that saber has any teeth or not is another question. Whether she can, you know, actually is willing to use it to to you know land some blows or not is another thing. But um, I'm a little worried just because of the ways I've seen her back off on things a little bit that she's going to have the the moxie to get some things done. Now that the thing that might convince me is that she's she's in it for let's say the right reasons and not as a, a kind of a personal mm-hmm. grift or something like that, yeah. right? A, a, as a, a Jason uh, Kenny, for example, as Jason Kenny or like a you know some some way to achieve Max status or something like that. Or yeah, I mean, okay, you said it on me, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I knew you were thinking it, but you <laughs> yeah, didn't want to say to, it. Yeah, I didn't want to say yeah. it. Um, so you know, if if her plan is okay, I'm going to give one more kick at the can at politics. I'm going to go in there. I'm actually going to make something happen. I'm going to get some things done. Uh, great. Okay. Maybe we'll see some action out of her, but I'm not sure she's wired that way. I have seen mm-hmm. her, you know, we remember the floor crossing and different things like that. Mm-hmm. When there's some and, pressure put on her, she's caved in the past. Right. And yeah. is that changed? What's changed? Right. I, I don't know if it has changed or not. I feel like it was probably a good learning moment. And yeah, the best outcome I, I think out of this election by far is that I feel fairly certain that we can guarantee that Daniel Smith will not cross the floor for the next four years. <laughs> she won't go to the NDP. No. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I should have asked you this at the start. What what yeah. was what is your political kind of, um, I guess, progress been like? What what has your evolution been? What? Oh, well, uh, a buddy of mine, um, been friends since high school. He married uh, a woman who's absolutely wonderful, who's got some family connections to the Saskatchewan NDP party. I'm originally from a little bit further east of here. You can probably tell by my accent and the way I say Coyote. Um, Yeah. And so anyway, uh, it's it's part of why Sean and I get along so well, I think. Right, right. Right. Um, You know, just ridiculously small town, you know, farming communities. And so anyway, she started talking to me about some of this stuff and I'm not really understanding it. I've never really had anybody explain to me anything about politics other than the fact that they're all a bunch of grifters and right. Which oddly ended up. And how old, how old were you? How old Uh, were you in this stuff? I would say mid twenties. And, and so, you know, she'd be like, Oh, well, you know what? The NDP are doing this and the NDP are doing that. And you know, this is what the NDP want to do. And right. Right. And this was before the, was your your house political at all? Was there a lot of political conversation? Not really. Not really. Um, my my parents weren't politically astute right. and my my sisters i think are are more so now but kind of in the echo chamber like i was saying before not the kind of people who would want to hear multiple sides and and try and understand things right? Right, um, right but but yeah so anyway but this this woman was telling me about this ndp stuff and in the back of my head i'm like okay well that sounds good but something in here doesn't quite click and i didn't know what it was mm. but you got that feeling you're like this something isn't right here. I don't know what it is, but something doesn't jive. And then you start looking around a little bit, asking more questions. And then all of a sudden you stumble across some guy named Thomas soul or something. And then you go down a big rabbit hole and you're like, everything I thought I believed is a lie. Right. Yeah. And, uh, 
but it all makes sense, right? And then you're like, oh, there's some Austrians that have some thoughts about this. And oh, there's some great old videos by some Jewish guy named Milton. And you go and you're just like, okay, well, this this clicks, this makes sense. And then you look at how things kind of unfold, it, especially in the federal level, where you're like, okay, well, this, you know, nothing that happens in this country is anything that I would ever vote for, anything anybody I know would vote for. Yeah. Um, and and it just keeps happening. And why the hell do you have this incredibly huge block of. I would say small L liberals that call themselves conservatives over here being beholden to these far left con- or liberals. Right. And and you've just got this this system where nobody is what they say they are. The conservatives aren't conservative. The liberals aren't liberals. The NDP aren't new. The green right. aren't green. Yeah. Right. And, you know, the only thing is just the blockheads. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you can make an argument there. Right. Or the CAC party. Um, that's the. Yeah. Well, I mean, that yeah, sounds very but, similar to my story. Maybe it's a farm yeah. boy thing because I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere, too. Same story. My parents weren't politically astute. They said glowing things about NDP and conservative. Uh, this was bullshit. That was bullshit. This is good. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they love the government when it came to things like farm insurance and uh, some of those programs. Uh, you know, but guns were on our farm. They were a useful tool. We had, uh, you know, th- th- there just wasn't much government around. So it, it never got talked about that much. Um, but of course, through public school, you get a heavy dose of government as a committee of virtue. And, you know, it's, this is what your duty as a citizen is. And this is the price we pay for living in a civilized society and social contract, yada, yada. And uh, and then same similar to you, like maybe mid 20s late 20s uh starting to do some reading and questioning some things and having my whole worldview blown apart might have been what you consider a red pill moment because it was very similar to that matrix thing where like everything i knew was a lie it was put there by the culture around me i had nothing to do with coming up with these ideas i had in my head and it was very unsettling and and disorienting uh to be in the world and not have know which way was up or down and and what was real and what was fake anymore. So a very similar uh, view. So uh, you must have thought about then, what, 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 I mean, how do we get to the kind of world we want to see or even like a couple steps that direction? It's got to implode first. I think, that we think hey? oh yeah, anybody who's libertarian or anarchist should totally vote NDP or liberal hmm. early and often as many times right. as you can put in a whole duffel bag every time. Uh, like just like, the, cause this, this, I guess harkens back to what I was saying at the start, how the politician's first job is to get elected and the second job is to stay elected. And, you know, any, anybody on the conservative side isn't going to address any of the systemic issues. Anybody on the liberal or NDP side of things, likes those issues they think they're great because they that supports their voter base who in turn support them and that lets them continue to be elected but the you're you're not going to find somebody you're not going to find maxime bernier actually uh you know his political demise was when he said he was going to take down the dairy cartel which is a great thing and i think it absolutely should happen but but that was it for him Right. That that was the moment where they're like, we can't let this happen. And no one's ever going to let that happen. And so, you know, it's do you want to how fast do you want to rip off the bandaid at this point? Yeah. Well, I guess my worry is um, 
you know, we adopt an accelerationist view and things blow up and, and there's ensuing chaos and, and kind of government shrinks as a result of just the, the, the facts of reality and math. And, um, and, and then they're you, not generally beholden to anyway. <laughs> well, they try to ignore those facts, but ultimately reality eventually catches up mm -hmm. uh, if history teaches us anything. And and then you've you've got a population that is clamoring for a strong man or something like that to set things back in order. Um, you know, uh, losing government doesn't necessarily make people libertarian. In fact, it seems like the bigger government gets, the more libertarian people get. Um, and the opposite occurs when you destabilize governments, people are clamoring for a strong man to bring things back into order or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little bit worried about that. Do you have any thoughts about that? Is it? Well, it's, you're, you're probably actually completely right. I mean, if, if history, especially in places like Russia, for example, teaches anything, it's that, yeah, they, they love getting somebody in who's just going to straighten things up with an iron will. Right. And. Um, I think if there's going to be any change, it's got to be more local than ever because like, do you think your do you think your federal MP gives a rat's ass what you as an individual think? Do you think they're going to help you out? Do you think that that one vote amongst the community of 120,000 people per, per riding in Alberta is going to make a lick of difference? No. Yeah. Right. But when, when you get into the close local levels, you know, municipal stuff where one vote actually matters. Yeah. You know, union VP where it comes down to two votes. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing where you actually need to win people over and you can make reasonable arguments that, that resonate with people. I, um, was trying to help somebody out with it. It was just a miscommunication. I didn't really realize what they were trying to do. Um, talking about bringing 15 minute cities into Lloyd Minster. And I'm like, Lloyd Minster's a 12 minute city, <laughs> right? like right. corner to corner. If you want to turn Lloyd Minster into a 15 minute city, you've got to put in stop signs. Right. Or make right? it bigger. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's, but I, you see where I'm going with this. Yeah. Like the only thing you can do to, it, it's not even a 15 minute city yet. If you want to make it a 15 minute city, you've just got to make it shittier to get around it. Yeah. And, um, you know, and he wanted to, to speak to the town council about, about globalism and the world economic forum and Klaus Schwab. Uh, and I, I said the same thing I was talking about before with the PPC. I'm like, you can make this exact same argument and, and you can make it so that it's actually going to resonate with people. And you just say, look, just if you don't live here, you shouldn't have a say in what we do. And if the town council wants to institute any radical changes, the onus is not on me to come up here in five minutes and explain to you why it's garbage. The onus is on them to justify why such a big change is needed. Yeah. And that's really all you need to do. And that's that's the kind of thing that in my perfect utopian right. anarchist world would start ripples where other people would start doing that. And then you would have all of these groups of people who wouldn't institute changes without justifying them. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's a good point. I mean, one of the... One of the, uh, I guess, issues I see with with, you know, doing politics, let's say strictly at a local level, is that provincial and federal politics has such a large impact. I mean, municipalities operate within a framework, an environment set by um, the province. You know, we have mm -hmm. the municipal government act, which increasingly takes strips power away from the municipality and puts it in the hands. So I guess uh, what you need is kind of a, a municipal council with some balls to push back. Mm -hmm. against the province 
you know, in the same way that hopefully Danielle is pushing back against Ottawa. Maybe that's maybe that's the start of things. Well, you know? look what happened. Uh, Lesser Slave Lake is one of the ridings that was UCP this time, and it was UCP last time. But in 2015, it was NDP. And so they had a guy named Pat Rain who won in 2019, and he's a local business owner. I guess he's got a bunch of logging companies or something like that. And so he was just catching, cashing the, the MLA check and not doing any of the work because he was actually doing the day-to-day business of running his companies. And so he was bailing on meetings, just pulling no-shows or showing up completely unprepared and not doing any of the actual day-to-day MLA stuff within the community. And so there was local Indian bands, uh, the Slave Lake Town Council, a bunch of other community organizations who all sent letters to Parliament saying, you need to get rid of this guy. Hmm. Right. And so, you know, this is like municipal politics is just your community, but it can have, you know, in the right situations. Right. It, it can get bigger. And and that guy ended up not running in in the last election. He he just decided to retire back and, and you know, focus on his family or whatever. I don't think he even bothered doing a bullshit resignment stage statement or anything like that. He just right. stepped away. Hmm. Interesting. Right? So, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, that's it. Yeah. And maybe, you know, we need to think about, again, looking at the man in the mirror, you know, some someone who is willing to speak their truth and mm-hmm. uh, take take the risks that come with speaking the truth, uh, you know, is likely to make a bigger impact in the world than, than someone who's kind of hiding, um, hiding low and hiding their light under a bush or whatever. Like, the, so, yeah. you know, you get enough people in a community that are willing to stand up against, um popular opinion or, or the prevailing culture or the prevailing establishment um, in a community pretty soon that community itself is going to stand up against uh, you know the the province and that province is going to stand up against so on and so on uh, listen twos I've kept you long enough uh, yeah. where, where can people follow you your I know your Twitter is a must follow it's hilarious <laughs> you well that's you, you Approach politics in a very humorous way, which I think is the correct way. I, you know, I, I get a headache when I see people taking it too seriously. Um, well, that was—I mean—that was one of the things that Sean and I wanted to do with the live stream election coverage. Was no one's ever tried to have fun with it, right? No one's, no one's ever, you know, our our spiel, I guess you could say, our shtick uh, leading up to it was just election coverage that doesn't suck. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be dry. It doesn't have to be boring. We can banter back and forth. We can enjoy ourselves and we can actually make it something that you'd want to watch rather than just have it on and mute in the background. So you can yeah. see whatever check marks show at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, it was a blast. Right? And I'll tell you at one point, you know, it took me a while to warm up. I wasn't quite sure um, about the audience, about what, you know, Sean's expectations and this and that. At one point he's like, well, did you vote early, Tim? And I, I, I didn't have the heart to say, uh, I see f- voting as a, you know, like, uh, 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 like a, an insult to my dignity and kind of like stuff in a plantation mm-hmm. box. So, so I don't do it, Sean, cause it might even be borderline immoral. Um, but next time, next time I'll be a little bit more forthright with my, uh, because it's a safe, it's a safe place to do that, I guess. Oh yeah, absolutely. Although, I mean, to be fair, like, yeah, we, well, we try and keep the mashup fast paced, which is yes. funny because anybody who's ever listened to it, that's totally not the case. We end right. up just going off on random directions. But just, I, I don't even really get into too deeply. You know, I'll just throw little shots here and there about how the whole thing's broken. But I just, 
you know, we, we don't even do deep dives into yeah. exactly how fucked up it is, but it's, you know, it's definitely something where I don't think anybody who's ever listened to more than a few episodes would be able to look at me and say that he thinks that government is in any way functional and right. that he pulls any punches about any of it. You know, time, time might keep him from, from getting into exactly what he thinks, but being unwilling to express himself is not a consideration. Right. Right. So, okay. but yeah, I guess going back to your thing. So my Twitter is at two, two, two minutes. Uh, my podcast is my 222 cents um, anywhere you find podcasts, but particularly on fountain because they actually uh, pay everybody in Shitoshis for, um, huh? yeah, I mean, you're a Bitcoin guy. Fountain. So that should, yeah. So you can go on and, and claim your app or your, your podcast on fountain and your podcast is on fountain actually. Oh, so you go in and claim it. When people listen, you, you earn Toshis. And then when you listen to other people, depending on the day of the week and you know, a multiplier that gets assigned at random, you, you earn Toshis as well. And then you can use it to amplify um, your uh, reach of your podcast on, on fountain or presumably just cash them out at some point too. Right. Uh, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Or, YouTube uh, is the Tuesday mashup. We've got a YouTube channel just for the Tuesday mashup. And then, um, so Sean Newman podcast, I assume that there's a bunch of people listening that probably um, listen to Sean Newman's podcast. And if for some reason you haven't been listening to the Tuesday mashup, this is your wake up call. Awesome. Okay, guys. And I'll post all those links down below. Um, As normal, please go to my, uh, what is it called? Substack. Uh, Eventually I'm going to write something on it. So make sure make sure you subscribe because when I do, you know it's going to be something special because I've been brewing some stuff up here and one of these days I'm going to put it into words and it's going to be articulate as fuck and you're going to want to share it with everyone and you're not going to want to miss that. So make sure you subscribe to me there and support me on Locals. Uh, listen, twos, it's been fantastic. One of these days uh, I'm going to learn what your assigned uh, name at birth is, but uh, today's <laughs> not the day. Soon, soon, soon. man. Yeah, I'd I'd love to I'd love to just. Well, this has been an absolute honor. It was it was just great. I mean, you know, when we were sitting down to to do the the live stream, I was just like, okay, don't be don't be weird. Okay, you're you're gonna be sitting with Tim Moen. Don't be weird. Oh man. And, and then um and then it was great. And it was wonderful. And then I was like, I don't know. I think he was really pissed off by the time he left. But maybe oh, we were all just tired, right? No. And then and then you were like, hey, do you want to be on my podcast? And I'm like, huh, okay. Yeah, well, yes, obviously. And so, yeah, this has just been, this has been absolutely wonderful. It's been great, you know, just chatting with you these last couple of weeks. And I, I, I'm extremely humbled that, awesome. uh, that you would, you know, consider me to, to be on your show. And I appreciate it very much. Hey, buddy, we're friends. F-R-E-N-S, the right wing version, the right wing okay. version. Yeah. So there we go. Awesome. Thanks. Okay, guys. See ya.